we have officially reached unofficially reached the midway point of the nhl season at least for tampa and columbus half of their schedule has been played uh but within uh, the coming days and weeks uh we will reach the official halfway point the trade deadline is coming closer the all-star game is a month away so what better time to do a mid-season award prediction than today and that is exactly what we're gonna do in episode 394 of the lace em up podcast which starts right now and now it's time to lace them up here's brett and steve and welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. These uh, predictions are probably going to be irrelevant in a couple of months, but uh, we're going to do our best, uh, Brett, to kind of gauge uh, who's going to win uh, the primetime NHL awards. Yeah, we have, um, so we have like um, th- uh, six uh, awards um, that we wanted to cover. And they're the usual awards that always get covered or the big ones. Um, the Hart, the Norris, the Calder, the Vezina, the Jack Adams, and the Selkie um, are are all are the ones that we're going to cover here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because it feels like the season just started. I don't know why, but to me it feels like the season just started. But um, for, for, for me, it seems like uh, my team season's fading away. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's also probably true, too. Um, but yeah, so it's, um, it's, uh, it's definitely something, uh, to, to note, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, but yeah, in in any case, I guess we should just get into it. Um, because we're also, I mean, oh, the other thing before we, before I get into it, um, sorry for kind of being uh, weird right now. Uh, but, um. Yeah, it's like I'm just looking at a rapid fire. I noticed that we're talking about the all-star rosters getting announced and Connor Bedard, which we'll talk about, gets injured. Um, so they're all kind of related to the, this like mid-season award predictions that we have going on. So uh, we're going to start off with the Hart Trophy. Um, I think it's, you know, I, I think you could make a case um, I mean, Connor McDavid kind of seems to be the front runner because, yeah, he did have a, um, you know, a bad first month of the year, but slowly uh, he had yeah he, he now has fifty four points in thirty four games, so he's definitely picked it up. Um, however, because it's called the Hart Trophy, it's it's for the like the MVP of the. Um, you know the MVP of this uh, the season basically the the most valuable player to your to your team um, and yeah so I guess Connor McDavid does qualify there um, however if the Oilers don't make the playoffs McDavid's not getting the hard trophy um, so there's other cases that you can make uh, Nikita Kucherov um, currently has 67 points in 40 games and then you also have Nathan McKinnon, who has 65 points in 40 games. Um, and I think I think you could make the case for McKinnon even, because like Colorado had 
a bit of a tailspin a little bit towards um, the end of, or in the second half of this first half of the season. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's also one of those things that Nathan McKinnon just happens to be around the time of Connor McDavid. Like if Connor McDavid did not exist, uh, McKinnon would be winning all these hard trophies and getting all the accolades. Um, and so it, there could be some voters who are just like, well, yeah, let's just give it to McKinnon because McDavid struggled at the beginning of the year. Let's just give it to McKinnon because, uh, you know, that it'll just be his year or something like that. Um, which, I mean, I, I can I can respect because uh, he has had an incredible year. 65 points in 40 games. Um, I think that's already in line for his career year um, in points um, if he's – if, you know, if he makes it uh, to 82 games, I think that would mean that he'd have 130 points. And yeah, he's never had 130 points in his career. So yeah, I think my vote would be McKinnon. However, um, I think the safer option will be McDavid unless Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs. I think if McDavid reaches a thousand points somehow this season, then he'll be the unanimous Hart Trophy winner. <laughs> yeah. If he can somehow reach uh, levels that have never been before reached, not even mm -hmm. by him, um, I think he'll win the MVP. I think this is a perfect time for Nathan McKinnon to do it, though. Um, just basically looking at his ice time right now, the only forward with a higher TOI than McKinnon on the season is his teammate Miko Rantanen who uh, was described by one of his teammates' dads as a guy who doesn't, doesn't work out enough. Um, but uh, Nathan McKinnon averages 22.49 per game. That's nearly 23 minutes for a forward. That's insane. Uh, if you want to nitpick his face-off stats, McDavid's at 50%, McKinnon's at 49. So as far as I'm concerned, it's not that big of a difference. The only guy with more shots on goal on him this season is your boy, David Pasternak. And... Um, McKinnon has 22 goals in 40 games, and he's well above a point per game with 65 and 40. And a lot of that damage has come at even strength, 17 goals, 39 points at even strength. Uh, on top of that, four game winners and two OT winners. Um, when he is on his game, um, he's right up there uh, with the likes of Connor McDavid as those unstoppable players. And also just the physique that he has as well. Like, you, you look at guys like Jack Hughes, who at times uh, can get pretty banged up, but Nathan McKinnon can dish it just as much as he can take it. And when you become one of those forwards that is tough to knock down and can also knock people down himself, um, I, I think that just adds, like, another, versa another versatile aspect to your game that... Um, I think is really going to get noticed by the media as well. And that's no disrespect to Connor McDavid. Like Nathan McKinnon can lower the boom and, you know, Connor McDavid isn't expected to do that, but it, it, it definitely opens your eyes when you see a star player like, like Nathan McKinnon dish it out like that. So um, just the way, like you said, Colorado has kind of underperformed at times. Nathan McKinnon has kind of had to step up and really take charge for that offense to click, uh, especially with Landis Cog out again. That's a huge piece of mm. their offense, a huge piece of their leadership that's not there. 
And I think a highly intense competitor like McKinnon, I don't know where the Avs would be in the standings without McKinnon. Uh, even though uh, we have clearly seen what the Oilers look like when McDavid isn't on his game, when he's just an average, just under a point per game player, they're not the same team as the dominant McDavid that we've seen. And it definitely highlighted his true value on the squad. Uh, I'm still going to give it to McKinnon at this point. It's going to be a close race, obviously, because yep. McDavid is going to make it close, but I think McKinnon will probably hold him off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it'll be between those two. I guess you could also make a case for Kucherov uh, just simply because he is the points leader as well. Um, or, uh, yeah, although I guess, yeah, yeah, oh, I forgot because the last time I checked it was yesterday. and It was like McKinnon was in the lead, but that must have changed uh, to today because Kucherov had um, a few points in the Bruins uh, lightning game last night. So, yeah, now uh, Kucherov has 67 points in 65 games. I mean, it's always weird for the Hart Trophy stuff. Like, I just remember last year when McDavid was the no-doubt um, Hart Trophy guy. And, um, however, like, the first the first two point-getters were Dreisaitl and McDavid, and then uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins wasn't too far behind those two. Uh, so it's it, so it is always weird where it's like yeah if you take McKinnon out of Colorado I feel like Colorado would still be okay because you have Kale McCarr you have Miko Rantanen um, and and all that stuff who are also like you know uh, Rantanen is ninth right now in points McCarr is twelfth yeah. right now in points which is which is crazy. 47 yeah. points in 35 games for a defenseman is, yeah, yeah. is kind of crazy. I've also heard the argument, speaking of defenseman, that yeah. Quinn Hughes oh, yeah. uh, could get some hard trophy love as well. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's like, that would, that's like, hard, like, that hardly ever happens. Or I forget the last time that a defenseman has won the hard trophy, but um, I don't know if it's ever happened. But yeah, I could see that too. But well, like, during the era of Bobby yeah. True, but like you can make the same case. Like if it is Quinn Hughes, it's like okay, Elias Peterson was there. J.T. Miller is on this list. Brock Besser is coming back to life as well. So it's like it's not just that Quinn Hughes like was like if you take Quinn Hughes out of Vancouver, uh, like I feel like Vancouver would still be a pretty good team, um, this year. So it's 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 just hard to know exactly how valuable a player is unless like you live in a hypothetical situation where you remove that player off of that team um, and figure stuff out that way. But uh, so it's like, you know, for, so in defense of like Kucherov and McDavid, like I'm, I'm looking here, there's no one else on Tampa. Um, oh, I guess the next closest Tampa guy is Steven Stamkos. And he has 38 points in 38 games. Obviously, no slouch, but that's the closest Tampa Bay guy uh, to Kucherov. Yeah. Um, and then Edmonton, uh, yeah, McDavid is five right now. By the way, when I say these like numbers, this is as of Sunday. Also, like some of these are like tied for fifth, like right now. Yeah, McDavid, McDavid will probably get five yeah. points in his next game. Exactly, and like like. <laughs> For instance, like Panarin and Pasternak are tied for third right now. So technically McDavid is fifth, but then like 
Willie Nylander also has 54 points, which McDavid also has. So it's like, um, so it, it, it can get a little bit confusing from that angle. But in any case, um, my point is, is the next closest, like, uh, I think uh, I just saw, oh, Leon Dreisaitl is 20th with 42 points, which is better than Steven Stamkos. Um, but again, it's like a most valuable thing. So I feel like if Edmonton makes the playoffs, then McDavid would be a big reason why uh, Edmonton made the playoffs. So I feel like that's why it's um, dependent on that stuff too. Cause it, you know, um, and like Edmonton has a wild card spot or even just Edmonton in the three in the Pacific, that's like quite an achievement. So I, I would give it to McDavid, even though, uh, yeah, McKinnon has been more consistent throughout the season. Um, hey, I'll have you know that Zach Hyman has 25 goals in 35 games. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I think the Oilers would be just fine without McDavid. I'm just kidding. Um, but yes, <laughs> but Zach Hyman, when talking about yeah, the yeah, Oilers, uh, point, really yeah. stepped it up. Uh, he's been awesome, too. Yeah. To answer your question about defensemen winning uh, hard trophies, the last one was all the way back in 2000 when Chris Pronger did it. Oh, wow. He was with the Blues then. So. Yep. Yeah. It's been uh, 24 years since the last defenseman won it. Uh, the last goalie to win it was Jose Theodore uh, two years after Pronger won it. Uh, that was in 2002. Yeah, that's a good segue because our next award is the Norris. Um, of course, oh, that wow. goes to the best defense. <laughs> you sounded like Owen Wilson there. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think we're both, just judging by our conversation just now, I think we're both in line that Quinn Hughes will win the Norris. Um, I guess you could also make a case for Kale McCarr if you're just going by points. Uh, Quinn Hughes has 49 points in 39 games. That's really, really good. Um, and it has been a big reason why Vancouver um, is where they're at right now. Um, and then um, and then you also have Kale McCarr um, just behind him here with 47 points in 35 games. So. You have like two really, really good defensemen um, right now playing um, playing a lot of good minutes. Um, I guess like Quinn Hughes, I mean, I, I am curious though in terms of like, because I know like sometimes the Norris just goes to the biggest point getter. Um, that's what happened last year with Eric Carlson, although it's like you can't really make a case for anyone else that year. Um, I do wonder if, like, maybe, like, defense starts to take effect because both Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are both offensive defensemen. But they're good on the defensive side of things in their own right as well. Um, so I am curious just to see if, like, that has any bearing um, in the grand scheme of things, like, in terms of voting. Um, I'll have to, like, look right now to see... Um, who has better like takeaways and giveaways ratios and stuff like I that? I can check that right now. Oh, I was I was gonna do that. Um, if you want to, I'll I'll, ch I'll I'll check for you, um, <laughs> and and you can uh, you can talk about um, who your Norris guy is. Uh, so uh, my my Norris guy is probably gonna be Quinn Hughes as well. Um, also, just because. Uh, taking over the captaincy, um, I've heard stories that he's kind of changed his demeanor a little bit. Like, it, it, like in previous seasons, you know, he was uh, a bit more laid back, but his tone has gotten 
a lot more serious and he's and he's taking this role a lot seriously you can kind of you can kind of hear when you hear the stories behind the scenes of uh how his demeanor has changed how he just prepares on game days on practices uh, he's a different player even from a season ago so i think just based on that um if he's able to keep pace and kale mccarr he probably wins so i'm just going to shout out some uh, defensemen that are having uh, pretty impressive seasons. And by impressive, um, there are a lot of who saw that coming seasons. For example, uh, a crowded defenseman has 27 points. You would expect Eric Carlson to be there. You would expect Miro Heiskanen to be there. Mm. But would you expect Shane Gostaspare and Michael frickin' Matheson? <laughs> yeah. Both of them have 27 points, as uh, just like Carlson and uh, Heiskanen do. Uh, that's uh, one above Charlie McAvoy as well. Uh, and Adam Fox, who has uh, 25 points there. Travis Sanheim also with 25 yeah, points. He's that's surprising uh, too. pretty good. Um, uh, and last but certainly not not least, with a plus 20 and near point a game player, Noah Dobson of the Islanders too. Mm. He's uh, been really turning some heads. I also am interested to see where uh, these two defensemen fit into uh, the uh, voting process. Uh, with 30 points in 38 games, Josh Morrissey. His plus minus has also looked pretty good, and he was getting a lot of uh, Norris Trophy recognition, at least in the ballot. And uh, with the Jets being one of the better teams in the league this year, I definitely think he's going to get uh, just as much praise this year. And uh, look out, Philip Aronik with 30 points in 39 games. Uh, Quinn Hughes, not the only defenseman in Vancouver, making some noise there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Vince Dunn. I'm just looking at like the points leaders yeah. on the defense side. Um, yeah, Vince Dunn is another one who deserves mention. Evan Bouchard is another one who's starting to pick it up, too. Um, so, um, and then, by the way, uh, Quinn Hughes has 21 takeaways, but 26 giveaways. And Kale McCarr has 33 takeaways and 20 giveaways. So, yes, even though Quinn Hughes has 49 points, um, he has... Uh, and uh, Makar has 47 points. Uh, Makar has a better, is doing better defensively just from that takeaway giveaway ratio standpoint. And both of them have averaged, oddly enough, the exact same ice time minutes and seconds per game this season. Yeah. So it's not like Quinn Hughes has the puck more although, per game than, uh, than Kale does. They have although, the exact although. Yeah, I, I am looking here that uh, Quinn Hughes has played 39 games. Kale McCarr has played 35 games. Um, well, that's so, true, too. Yes. Yeah. So so that that's also to be considered. Um, but, yeah, that that's um, that's a good point, too. But yeah, Quinn so, Hughes has also done uh, yeah. more of his damage at even strength compared to uh, Kale McCarr. Yeah. I wonder, you know, because it's interesting because I feel like we <laughs> – Imagine when Lace em Up had existed back when Chara and Carlson were the two um, Norris guys. Uh, I feel like we would have had an e heated argument about that. Um, but, um, but yeah, it is interesting because sometimes they give it to the guy who plays, um, who just has all the points, um, like Eric Carlson did that year. Um, but yeah. then... You give it to a guy like if you could also give it to a guy like like uh, Jacob Slavin uh, for this year um, because like he's always good <laughs> like he's the best defensive defenseman um, in the league 
uh, again, much, if there was a Selkie yeah. for defenseman, he win it yeah. every year. And then it's like, well, Chara that year, like he did put up the points and he was also like the defensive monster that he, you know, that led him to be in the hall. He'll eventually be in the hall of fame and all that stuff. So it's just, uh, it's like a weird thing where it's like, how do you even compare those guys? Cause yes, obviously Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, Evan Bouchard are incredible in their own way. Um, but then it's like, but really defensemen, that's their job is to be defensemen and play defense. Um, and so it's like, sometimes, you know, they like the defensive defensemen don't normally get the spotlight that they deserve. Um, in any case, I, I think it will probably go to Quinn Hughes cause he is having a great season, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's Gil McCarr. Um, anyways, um, so now we, uh, we go to the Calda. Um, I was <laughs> kind of purposely said that in a Boston accent, I think. Um, but, uh, anyways, I, I think before, uh, Thursday, we would have just said that, oh yeah, it's Connor Bedard running away. He was the main reason why Chicago, um, or he, like, he was the only good player in Chicago, 33 points in 39 games. Uh, he's lived up to the hype so far. He's an 18 year old, basically, um, but as we're, we're going to get into in the rapid fire, uh, he did just get injured. He got a broken jaw um, and he'll, um, he's going to be out. We, he's week to week. So now the Calder race is wide open again. Um, yeah, there is a chance that Bedard will come back. Um, but like this, it's very reminiscent of when Connor McDavid's rookie year as well, because there was an injury for McDavid towards the end of the year, and that limited him from winning the Calder Trophy. Um, so, so there's that there, and I think Bedard will be okay. He's he's probably gonna win a heart at some point in his career, so <laughs> he'll he'll be okay if he doesn't win the Calder, because um, you know obviously it's unfortunate, but. I, I think he can live without the Calder Hello? Trophy. I think the the actual... So having said all that, I think what would make the most sense is, I guess, you know, obviously we don't know who's going to, like, pick it up now, but uh, the next guy on the rookie scoring list right now is Marco Rossi uh, with 24 points. So it's good to see because there was, like, a time period, like, last year where he got COVID and it was unclear mm -hmm. on how, like how much he was affected development wise. So it's, it's nice to see that Marco Rossi has picked it up now. Uh, so yeah, he has 24 points in 38 games. Adam Fintilli has also been um, doing well too now, although he has 24 points in 41 games. I think my vote would actually be Luke Hughes though. Um, just cause he is a defenseman. Um, he has, um, and so, like, getting more points is even more impressive. Um, and he has 23 points in uh, 38 games, which is pretty good. Um, and and he's been, like, he has, like, a decent amount of time on ice, 20 minutes of time on ice. Um, I, I know, I, I think there's been some fever for Brock, um, Brock Faber, who's also mm -hmm. had a lot of uh, ice time, 24 uh, minutes of ice time on average. Um, He's how, top 10 amongst NHL defensemen in minutes yeah. per game. 
Yeah, so that's pretty nuts. Um, however, it's like I still feel like points are should be valued here um, as well. But yeah, he is definitely really good as well. I, I kind of just want to see Quinn Hughes win the Norris and then Luke Hughes win the Calder. That would be kind of pretty cool. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Luke um, Hughes is always the name that's come to mind. It's yep. like, hey, he's going to be like minimum top four in right. hard tro- uh, and not in hard trophy voting. Jeez, maybe someday. Yeah. Um, but in, in Calder trophy voting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think Adam Fantilli is going to get a bit more love than Marco Rossi is just because he plays on a crappier team. He's also posted more shots uh, in less average time on ice per game than Rossi too. Um, and obviously because Columbus is garbage, he's probably not getting too much uh, power play results. Uh, so most of his damage is coming at even strength. Even then though, if Connor Bedard's only out like four to six weeks, it's not like there's an Artemi Panarin in this crowd that's just going to show up and dominate like in terms of points while uh, Connor Bedard is out. Like uh, it was the case with McDavid in his draft year. Um, Panarin took over for the time that he was out and uh, was able to beat out McDavid in the race. But if McDavid had a full season under his belt, I think you can make a serious case that he probably wins that. Um, so I think for, for that reason, I, th- I still think Connor Bedard, if he can play at the pace he was playing at when he comes back, he doesn't miss too much time. I still think he could win. Yeah. It's probably just not going to be as unanimous as people expected. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, uh, love Marco Rossi's game, uh, love Brock Faber's uh, uh, analytics mm. and just how he's been able to emerge as a key part of Minnesota's blue line in such a, a short time as well. Uh, and he also has 19 points in 38 games, which, you know, for a rookie defenseman, yep. if you get like 30 to 35 points, yeah, that's uh, true. like that's around Jake Sanderson's level. That that's, that's pretty impressive. So yeah, that's um, fair. I, I, I'm interested to see where Brock Faber lands in that conversation. I'm still going with Bedard to win. I think uh, he'll, he'll have done enough to uh, impress the media and just the hype and the confidence and everything he yeah. brings to the table every night uh it's it's tough to deny his column yeah i guess i'm just going off of the assumption that he's gonna miss like two months or three if months, it's you know? two months then yeah it might be tough to come back from that and um and it you know and i had just mentioned this as well that it's kind of reminiscent of when mcdavid missed the last like few months of his rookie year um and then artemi yeah. panarin took over as the calder guy um that year but um yeah so so there's that too i also want to shout out uh connor zary um Mm -hmm. he's been he's been pretty good um for uh for calgary he's kind of um i mean yeah he's still he has 19 points in 29 games um and stuff but like every now and then you i see him on the score sheet i have him in a few leagues as well so i'm like his shooting percentage is also ridiculous like it's 24.2 on the season it's crazy yeah but um but yeah, I think it's like, you know, obviously the Calgary could be a, a its own main topic one day too, but you know, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting with Calgary cuz they lose out on Kachuk, they lose out or, you know, Gaudreau leaves as well. Not they lose out, but both Kachuk and Gaudreau uh, go to another place. They add in Kadri, they add in Huberdeau. However, like 
you know, something's going on with Huberto. I don't know exactly what. Um, although I guess he, the Calgary is playing right now. Um, and I've seen that Huberto has a few assists right now. And Kadri's has a goal um, in this game right now. So, uh, but at the same time, it's like both Kadri and Huberto haven't been as good as expected, um, to say the least. So it is kind of cool to see that, like, oh, Connor Zary, like, that's a guy or that's someone who can help out Calgary in the post Goudreau, post Matthew Kachuk world that they live in. Um, and of course there is that added expectation, but it is nice to see that they have like a rookie who's, who's doing well at least. Um, but I don't think he's going to get the Calder of course, but he could, he, he could eventually get some nominations for sure. Um, if he, if he stays this way or if he keeps the one pace. guy I can't wait to see enter the Calder trophy race, uh, probably not going to happen this mm -hmm. year, but in the coming years, we'll definitely see it. Logan Stankoven mm. dude is leading the entire AHL in scoring as a rookie, which is pretty nuts. Yeah. He's like 20 years old too. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, the, the, the stars just keep drafting studs. Yeah. Um, and Maverick Bork is also like, I think the second, guy I think in he's the second, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's a year ahead of Stinkoven yeah so um yeah they yeah. Uh, they they draft well um there's no because uh, like you know they have a lot of young guys in the NHL as well so it's it's kind of crazy um also I guess on that note too Leo Carlson um with 15 points in 23 games um and uh Pavel Minchikov has been pretty good too I don't know if they're gonna get top three especially now that Leo Carlson's injured in his own ways and they've been Menchikov's kind of... ice time is too low compared yeah. to Favors and Favors has yeah. roughly the, the same exact stat line as Menchikov. So that's true. But like earlier on in the year, like Menchikov was like the power point guy, yeah. power play guy sure. um, until like Drysdale came back. Um, so, um, so there was something to that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to win either, but I, I'm just saying, like, I, I wanted to mention him. Um, same with Leo Carlson, because especially now that uh, Leo Carlson's been load managed, um, even when he's healthy, that that's also going to be a knock on the Calder race as well. But, um, but yeah, when he, when he is healthy, he's, he's like, I've been watching some Ducks games and, um, when he's been playing and there's like times when he's like the best skater on in the game. Um, and, uh, so yeah, he deserves some credit too, but I don't know if he, I don't think he's going to get a lot of votes just purely because of this load management thing that the ducks have him on. Um, while we're on the subject of rookies before we, um, yeah. sign, seal, and deliver this bad boy. Sure. Um, there are, there are two goalies I'm interested to see just where they finish yep. in the balloting, if they're going to get any votes. Obviously, Joseph Bull, the Maple Leafs, and oh, uh, yeah. in the rapid fire, we'll talk about him, Lucas Dostal of the Ducks. Yep. Um, at a time where we were talking about Connor Bedard for basically all of October, the guy who won Rookie of the Month wasn't Connor Bedard. It was the Ducks' young netminder. That's interesting too, because uh, yeah, we're we're gonna talk about Lucas Dostal in a in a few in the rapid fire, but that is interesting because he did just have this one great game um, against the Leafs, but like he also had like a sub nine hundred save percentage, um, so um, 
and he doesn't really start that often. Um, and this is coming from someone who has him on, on one of my fantasy teams, of course. Um, so I like I don't know if he's going to get a ton of a uh, ton of votes, but at the same time, if he, oh I I see her. I guess Kochekov does he count as a rookie? According um, to any database, he does. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, so Kochekov could get it. Um, Devin Levi maybe um, if he can start to figure things out. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the... the Joel Hofer and uh, Joseph Wall, in terms yeah. of goalies who have played at least 10 games that are rookies, yeah. those are the only two names uh, with, uh, say, percentage of 9, 10 or better. Right, right. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, it, that will definitely limit Dostal, because, yeah, I'm looking here, Dostal has nine, a 901 save percentage, and that came with that for... 45 save game that he had um so so True. yeah i i don't know like you know he'll have to be more consistent of course that's a good signifier for him but yeah that, the reason why i mention him is because what if the ducks finally trade john gibson ahead of the trade deadline he's probably going to get a lot of minutes mm -hmm. and if the ducks actually play decent hockey down the stretch i feel like a lot more eyeballs are going to be on this young netminder uh, from Czechia, and it's just like, oh, well, you, you could you could get some uh, votes yeah. in the Calder race, maybe. Um, I don't expect him to be that high up the list because a lot of people are are going to be uh, putting votes in for guys like you know Brock Faber and Minchikov and all of the talented young forwards. Yeah. It, to be a goalie to get that amount of Calder Trophy praise, you have to be like a cut above like you need to be at the top of the food chain in terms of the rookie class i don't consider dostal um at that level but i definitely think um he has potential uh where uh he can get to that level someday where yeah um, he's he's getting a lot of attention with the league's best goalies yeah that i mean that someday. that's that's fair i guess it's more i don't know if that's actually going to happen <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's not to, not this year, not yeah. this year at least, especially when the Ducks are crap. So. Yep. Um, also, I want to uh, say a homer vote to Matthew Patois. Um, yeah, if he gets to go in the second half, all your votes yeah. are out the window. They're all going to him. Yep. And then um, and Logan Cooley, who I'm seeing as well, I think he also Put deserves some a shout respect out to. on Ridley Gregg's name while you're at it too. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, we'll do that too. Um, all right, so now we go to the Vezina here. Um, I'm trying to find uh, the best way. Okay, um, for some reason my the NHL. Okay, never mind. Um, it was the, my NHL.com wasn't working for a second, but now it now it's back. Um, so um, I I think for the Vezina, it's kind of tough because like goalies, you never know. Um, but right now, I see that Eden Hill has a 1.93 GAA and a save percentage of 9.33. Although I know he's injured, so it depends on if he's out long term. Then, um, of course, then um, you know he's probably not going to be considered. But um, probably the the guy that will probably say will win is uh, Cam Talbot. Um, Seems like that might be the the best bet, unless of course he falls off, because uh, he had a bad 
season last year. Uh, he goes to L.A., and now he has a 925 save percentage and a 2.1 GAA. Um, and he plays a lot of games, too, now um, as their starter. So, uh, yeah, 25 games. Um, and so he's 14. That's roughly the same workload as Corpus Salo. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, which is, like, in a way, is, like, yeah, can't the Cam Talbot and Corpus Allo kind of were traded for each other, even though they weren't really. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's that. I do also want to shout out um, Joey Decord. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll thank also, you. We'll also talk yeah. about Joey Decord in a little bit, but uh, this last week in particular, he's really, really uh, uh, been very hot, or the last two weeks in particular, he's been really, really hot. Um, and he has a 2.29 GAA and a save percentage of uh, 9.22 and has been kind of getting the Seattle Kraken back into the playoff mix, uh, which is something that you kind of want to see. Um, it does make me realize, wonder, though, if, like, um, Joey, like, once, because he's, he's getting more playing time or getting more starts because uh, Grubauer has been injured and Chris Dreger's the other goalie that they have, hasn't really been as good. Um, so I, I do wonder, though, if, like, once Grubauer comes to play, like, you have, he'll probably, Joey Decord will probably be a 1B guy, and Grubauer will be a 1A. Mm -hmm. But it could be, like, the case where Grubauer wasn't necessarily that great last year. I could see it where Joey Decord gets the starting role, no doubt, and then becomes, like, and then gets a Vezina, or will get some Vezina um, nominations if he if he lives this up. But right now, I think um, I would give it to Cam Talbot. Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> see, there are a lot of feel-good stories. If I had to go with Dark Horse picks, Decord and Ingram uh, mm. would be oh, yeah, the two that I go yeah. with. But I think ultimately it's going to come down to two names and two names that are responsible for their teams being near the top of the NHL, not the LA Kings. Uh, that would be uh, Vancouver's heart and soul, Thatcher Demko, and Winnipeg's heart and soul, Connor Hellebuck. And mm. uh, the easiest way I look at it is workload and then their GAA and then their save percentage. Thatcher Demko has faced... The fifth most shots in the league has a 19-8-1 record, GAA of 2.53 to go along with three shutouts and a 9-16 save percentage. Uh, the main reason why the Canucks started to turn around in the second half, just not in time to salvage their season, and the main reason why they're relevant right now. Yeah. And then you have Connor Hellebuck, who is entering his 30s now, and a lot of people had written off the Jets, similar to the Canucks, didn't expect much from either of those two teams. Mm -hmm. Helva comes in, 19-6-3 record, um, six most shots faced in the league this year, 2.28 goals against average with only one shutout and a 9.21 save percentage. Uh, pick a coin. It's going to one of those two. I would probably... Uh, I'd probably go Demko just because mm, interesting. I okay. think Josh Morrissey and there are a lot of underrated Winnipeg defensemen, I think, um, just the way they've committed uh, to the two-way game this year under Rick Bonus has been impressive. And uh, while I do think Hellebuck is a big part of that, 
Uh, Laurent Brassois has also turned in uh, some uh, pretty decent yeah. uh, starts during his uh, time uh-huh. in the NHL this year. Yeah. Um, so I would probably say uh, I would probably say Demko because um, when Casey DeSmith is is kind of put into um, a situation uh, with with this defense, uh, you can you can clearly tell that uh, the numbers are. While they are slightly better with uh, Thatcher Demko, I, I definitely think if you were to tell me who would you rather in net um, for a seven-game series, obviously you're going to go with a game-changer like Demko. Like he almost yeah. single-handedly uh, ruined Vegas's season that one time in the bubble. Yeah, but in um, that in that coming in on her nose. In that same vein, I feel like you would have to because D- D- Casey DeSmith has. A nine seventeen save percentage and a two point five HGAA, like yeah, I agree with you. But like, I feel like that kind of diminishes Demko's bid because it's like Chris Paul oh. has a nine twenty save percentage to counter that counter. Yeah, yeah, true. But like, I I'm saying that the because DeSmith is also doing really really well um, without. Like Demko, like you know, as well yeah, as Demko. It's I like, suppose. I mean, like, oh, look is at it your Bruins with the Swayman yeah. and Olmark, and Olmark won the Vezina anyway, right? True, true. Uh, yeah, I would. I was going to mention Swayman, maybe as the other one. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I, I can see your point on Demko. I, I kind of venture that the reason why the Vancouver is doing well is, yeah, obviously Demko is a big part of that. But I think it has more to do with the fact that Elias Peterson's pretty good, uh, JT Miller's yeah. pretty good, Quinn Hughes is pretty good, Brock Besser is finally getting back to what we expected of him. Um, I already made this case at the beginning of the episode, and it's not just Thatcher Demko. Um, and not not to take anything away from Demko, I just I I don't think that's the real reason why Vancouver is um, is uh, doing so well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's that. Um, but yeah, there's also games where Vancouver starts off slow. Sorry to interject where Demko basically bails them out and gives them a chance, uh, to catch their breath a little bit. And then Vancouver goes to work similar to, uh, a game against Edmonton early in the season. Edmonton was like out shooting them like Mm. 18 to three or some obscure amount. And they were only up one, nothing. Then Vancouver gets a fluky goal and then they turn things around. They win the game. If Thatcher Demko doesn't hold his own in that first period, uh, things could have gone in a totally different way for the Canucks in that game. And just early in the season, uh, the way he uh, can make those big saves at big times, I think can really give that team a huge boost. And if you're looking for a Vesna caliber goalie, you're looking for that goalie that can make that big save. And Demko yep. has proven time and time again he can do that. Yeah, I guess that's true. I I don't know. I... I feel like I wouldn't necessarily give it to him, but I I can see your reasoning. I think though that you did kind of sway me though that I think I would give it to Connor Hellebuck though, um, just because Connor Hellebuck has played in more games. Um, I would love it if Jeremy Swayman won. Um, it would be kind of cool just to have like Olmark wins last year and then Sway like his backup uh, play uh, wins the next year. Um, but uh, Come on, you want it to go to an American goalie, and you yeah, know yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's totally why. Doesn't um, matter who he plays for. Exactly. Uh, but uh, no, no. But the fact that Connor Hellebuck plays twenty-eight games, 
um, and yeah. or has played in 28 games. And the next closest uh, in terms of games played by all these goaltenders that we're talking to is Cam Talbot with 25. Um, I guess. Oh wait, I guess Demko has 28 as well. But uh, I guess in that same vein, it's like Hellebuck has a 9.21 save percentage, and uh, Demko has a 9.16. Also, I think, like, yeah, like Mark Scheifele's good, um, and um, and Josh Morrissey has picked it up in Winnipeg, and and you had like a first couple of months of Kyle Connor, but uh, Winnipeg isn't as strong of a team, um, defensively speaking, compared to Vancouver. Um, which is a weird sentence that I never thought I would say um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but I, I think that because Winnipeg isn't as good um, as Vancouver is, I, I think you can give more credit to Connor Hellebuck um, uh, for, for Winnipeg's success. It's like, oh yeah, duh, Winnipeg, like, why didn't we see this coming? Like, Connor Hellebuck is incredible kind of thing, so... Um, so I was, it's, I it's, uh, it, it's funny. Uh, yeah. you should, you should mention how, look, I was, I was yeah. looking at his workload. Yeah. Um, so he's actually won the Vezina once already. Right. That was in the 2019, 20 campaign. He also finished a uh, second in 2017, 18, when he led the NHL mm-hmm. in wins with 44. Um, and also a minutes played that year. Uh, and then uh, last year, he actually finished a third in Vesna voting as well. Even got uh, a fair mm-hmm. amount of uh, hard votes. Um, he was 13th one year, 6th one yep. year, 19th one year, uh, 11th in hard voting last year. Um, but I was just looking at um, shots against and saves made. Mm-hmm. Uh, he led the NHL in shots against and saves made for four straight seasons. Yep. Which is honestly insane. And in two of those, he topped over 2000 shots against. Yep. Yeah. He's, like, he's really good. It's incredible. The workload this guy has been under. He reminds me a lot of Curtis Joseph. Mm. Like the more shots you throw at him, the better he gets. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. By the way, I just, re- you, you made a remark about that. I just wanted an American to win. I just realized that Thatcher Demko is an American. Uh, Joey yeah. Decord's American. So either way you win. Jeremy Sweeman's an American. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a lot if, of American goalies only, right now. If only, if only, I'm just saying, if the Canadian netminder mind was based on American goalies on Canadian teams, we'd be stacked. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. 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 Unfo- you got uh, so many Americans in Canada. It's I know, I know. It's crazy. Um, all right. Now we go to the Jack Adams, which will probably have a similar situation uh, <laughs> or <laughs> commentary here. Who uh, has improved the most? Exactly. So it's either Rick Tockett or Rick Bonus. I guess I just realized, yeah, I guess they both have the same first name as well. Um, I also want to shout out Peter Laviolette um, of the New York Rangers. Yep. Um, he's another guy who uh, should get some um, recognition as well. Just the fact that, like, the Rangers – the Metropolitan Division is, like, it's a tough division, and yet the Rangers have 54 points, and the next closest is the Carolina Hurricanes with 49 points. So they have, like, a significant lead um, of the next team, and as I was just mentioning, Metro is pretty tough, actually. Now that the, oh, the, I guess maybe Tortorella um, 
could also deserve some recognition too. Uh, just for like, we all thought the Flyers were going to be in the race for Macklin Celebrini, and instead mm-hmm. they're third in the Metro, and they actually don't look that bad. Like they're a completely different team. They than have they the were same amount year. of points as the LA Kings, yeah. although they played four more games than the Kings. But yeah. still, like, yeah. they, no shot they'd be in that conversation with a yeah. team that talented. I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Sean Couturier is back um, and, yeah. and healthy and, like, nothing ever happened uh, the last two years. Um, so he'll get the Masterton. Uh, but, uh, the, yeah, the fact that, like, oh, uh, I guess the Flyers are good now. Um, so so there's that. And, and anyway, in any case, I think we're in agreement, though, that I think we'll probably go to Rick Tockett um, I guess we should we should clarify that unless Can- the Canucks collapse in the second half, unless <laughs> Winnipeg collapses in the second half, I you know I think it it's it seems likely that the uh, that'll be between Rick Tockett and Rick Bonus. Um, I think I would just because it's like no one really expected Winnipeg or Vancouver to be in this position. Uh, from last year, um, and I, and that's usually what the Jack Adams does is like they just take it from based off of expectations and who play way above their their um, expectations um, and overachieved in a way. Um, I I think I would give it to Rick Tockett because I mean we kind of just talked about it throughout this entire section here is that like just the ability to get. Quinn Hughes to be um, to go an extra level to get Elias Peterson to go an extra level to get JT Miller to go an extra level even uh, Thatcher Demko to go an extra level that's like four guys who are having all having career years the fact that like Brock Besser it seemed like he was severely affected by his um, his um, uh, you know his dad dying a few years Mm -hmm. ago and then there was like inner to- turmoil within the Canucks organization, and now like I'm Brock. I'm so happy for him. Um, he, and he's th- getting the Bill Masterton for sure. He's uh, he's my pick. It's either. I, I mean, oh, yeah, I he's probably going to get votes still, but yeah, I, I'm going with Besser. Well, yeah, <laughs> this is kind of like a subtopic now. I, I yeah. haven't really thought of Brock Besser as a masterton vote so I, i'm thinking like couturier literally was not in the league for like he was injured for two seasons yeah, no and you're, you're not wrong and he's probably going to be the yeah. the guy who gets the most votes and you know not to, not to take anything away from brock besser like obviously losing your father you know that can um you know just dealing with grief is is definitely mentally tough his perseverance yeah. has been tested in a multitude of, of ways and he's stuck yeah. with it and he's having I, a career i I, I think it, it's just more that like the fact that couturier was literally injured for <laughs> like he yeah. couldn't play hockey yeah. um Not whereas hockey. whereas like brock besser did play hockey and yeah you know yeah. um <laughs> anyways yeah. anyway. brock besser has 24 goals right now um and so um, so yeah, I, I think that just the fact that he, that Rick Tockett has been able to get a lot out of guys um, that like you know used to be very good like JT Miller of course had a career year a couple of years ago. Same with uh, Pedersen, um, but like we've never seen this out of Brock Besser even in like their their 
original years, you know, and same with Quinn Hughes. Like, we haven't seen this before with either of those guys. Um, same with, same with uh, Demko as well. So, um, so I, I think a lot of credit goes to Rick Tockett there um, in bringing out the best out of those, those guys in particular. What's also interesting is that Vancouver has averaged the fifth fewest shots for per game. The teams that have lower averages, mm -hmm. San Jose, very bad. Chicago, very bad outside of Connor Bedard. Arizona, improving. And Washington, Alex Ovechkin not having his, even his average season. He's having his worst season. And Nicholas Backstrom basically out for the entire season. So right. the fact that they're getting so few shots on net and they're still putting in a power play percentage around 24. They have more goals than the Colorado Avalanche, more goals than anyone, and they're near the top of the league is pretty impressive. At the same time, when I look at the Philadelphia Flyers, um, the only teams with a higher average of shots four per game, Edmonton, no-brainer, LA, no-brainer, both are at 34%. You also have Florida, they made the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, can't deny their talent. Carolina, they've been one of the best at it for years. And they had the exact same shots uh, for per game percentage as the Leafs at 33.1. The difference is they've, gi they've given up an average of 28.7 per game. Um, so in, in terms of shots for and shots against, they're significantly better. Yeah, their power play sucks ass. Their penalty kill, though, is at 86%, and they're, you know, doing everything they can at five-on-five. Five. And when you look at the amount of points that they're getting from their star players, it's nowhere near compared to the points that you're seeing on anyone that's playing on Colorado right now or Edmonton or Toronto and all of their top-heavy talents in L.A. as well. Um, Torts, once again, is getting the most out of a group that – you know, probably wasn't expected to do much of anything, and yet here they are pushing for a playoff spot. Mm. Um, I don't think he's going to win the Jack Adams. I definitely think he's going to be heavily considered. I'd probably give it to Rick Bonus though, mm. just because um, similar to the Canucks, they didn't really change their roster at all from last year. They bought up Blake Wheeler. They traded Pierre-Luc Dubois and got some pretty good resources out of that. But outside of that, their team hasn't really changed all that much. And for the first time in any iteration of the Winnipeg Jets, they entered a day on the NHL season with the best record in the league ever. Like, never been done before. You, you tell me that's going to happen the year after they have such a big turnover yeah. and they're not expected to do much of anything um that season and they're like for a day at least the best team in the league like you're, you're, you're kidding yourselves mm. no one in winnipeg is gonna believe you and yet that happens um so if, if the jets keep this up um i think bonus is gonna get it yeah i guess yeah that's a good point i mean i i guess i wouldn't complain too much if rick bonus does win but yeah i think my vote would be to rick talk it um but yeah, I, I think ultimately, actually, the 
the real person should be Peter Laviolette just because of how phenomenal the Rangers have been. Of course, like the yeah, Rangers... Yeah, their power play yeah. also, by the way, yeah. hasn't sucked, unlike Laviolette's yeah. teams in Nashville. They're actually near 30% yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. Although, of course, it's like the Rangers were bad, like, you know, they were in the playoffs last year and all that stuff, so it's like, you know, just based off of, like, expectations and all that stuff, it, it's different than... You're um, getting quality goaltending from yeah. Jonathan Quick as well. Like, Winnipeg, man, yeah. what a luxury. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, yeah, he's a backup. He's doing better than Shesterkin is uh, <laughs> doing, which is crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, it's, it's, that, that is a good point, too. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I, I think it will probably go to Tockett. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's going to bonus. And, of course, it's like, like let's say Winnipeg falls off. All of a sudden, it's like, oh. And, and Vancouver yeah. doesn't, then it's like, okay. Then Whoever falls off more is probably yeah. not going to get it. But, yeah, like, honestly, course. similar to the yep. Vesna race between Hellebuck and Demko, yep. like, flip a coin. You can make a solid case for either coach. Yep, yep. Um, and then, lastly, we have the Selkie here. Uh, this one's kind of just a fun one where, because um, usually I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's just give it to Patrice Bergeron. But you can't do that this year. Um, I feel <laughs> like... Um, I was I was going to like, cause I was trying to find on NHL stats like the face off like I you can find their face off percentages, which is cool and that that's something that's useful, but I don't know if you realize this because uh, they don't do face off wins on NHL stats so you may not know this Steve. Do you have a guess on what center has the most face off wins right now? And it's not even close, to the next guy. <laughs> I'm gonna guess. Uh, when in doubt, Sidney Crosby. Yeah, yeah, he has 524 ah. face-off wins, and an incredible 61 per face-off percentage win, like, you know, winning percentage. Um, mm. And the next guy um, is Elias Lindholm, um, and he has 443 face-off wins. So that means that Crosby has like. Uh, 80 more face-off wins than the next guy, which is Elias Lindholm. Um, and yeah, Sidney Crosby has 61 face-off wins. Not to mention the fact that Crosby has um, 41 points in 38 games. <laughs> like that's just, He's also top yeah. 20 in takeaways for what Yeah, yeah, he's also doing incredible in takeaways. So it's like, um, yeah, he, he definitely deserves the Selkie. Um, I was I was expecting it to be like because I was I was planning on talking about like Sean Couturier here because it's like well he was really good last year in the, in terms of the sulky vote but Crosby is incredible just in every metric that you always talk about with Bergeron it's just like oh Crosby he's yeah that, that's just incredible just the fact that he has so many more faceoff wins than he normally does and compared to the next guy. Um, and he's doing this at, like, he has more points. He has a more than point per game um, player as well. So it's like, you know, you can't, like, you can't even um, mention the fact that he's not just, like, a defensive forward, of course. Um, so it's mm -hmm. like, um, so, yeah, I, I think I would give it to Crosby uh, just based off of how they usually hand these awards to. Um, I did see some people thinking that it would go to, like, Barkov because he's kind of, um, pick things up lately um but i i feel like 
he has a lot of catching up to do for in order to to reach Crosby. What um I'll also give a couple shout outs to a couple of players that I didn't expect to be on this list. I know he's pretty good, but Vincent Trocheck at sixty one point nine percent, like that's yeah, that's nutty. another one too. Yep. And then uh, at fifth on a terrible Sharks team, Thomas Hurdle at fifty seven point yep. two. Jesus. Yeah. Sharks could get a lot by trading him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're not. I, I think he doesn't he have like four years left or something like that. I think he's still on a yeah, long term contract. I suppose, but they can also retain yeah. salary. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're but, not going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. But um, yeah. So uh, oh, I guess. I guess, of course, you had the advantage because you were looking at the face-off percentages of all these guys. Correct, yes. <laughs> so, so you probably had a good idea that it was Sidney Crosby. That but, yeah, uh, almost, like you said, almost exactly yeah. 100 more face-off wins than Lindholm. That is incredible. Yeah. And Lindholm is, here's the kicker, Lindholm has played one more game than Crosby. Yeah. You probably already said that, too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Well, and, and also, like, Lindholm – isn't doing as well like he has 25 points in 40 games like Crosby's like yeah. <laughs> like he's also like bringing the offense too um like he always does it's like yeah. I, I guess he's it's one been, he's been yeah. the main reason why the Penguins even have a shot to do anything this year yeah I also wanted to uh mention uh like I guess uh Jack Eichel's not on this list here of face-off wins but um, I do want to credit him for because he's also like when I've been watching him play, he's he's kind of been a nice, uh, good like defensive guy as well. Or he's he's kind of like you can kind of notice that he's playing defense in a in a great way. So um, just noticed his takeaway giveaway ratio: yeah. forty seven takeaways, which leads the league, which is something because yeah. Mark Stone is also on his team. Mm-hmm. Only twenty eight giveaways. So yeah. uh, that's uh, a plus 19 takeaway giveaway ratio. Yeah. Uh, mind you, Mark Stone uh, has 44 takeaways and only 20 giveaways. So yeah. you could argue he's still the king of give, uh, takeaway giveaway ratio. Mm. But even that Jack Eichel, wow, respect. I do wonder, though, if the, this might be the year that a uh, player like a, like a winger gets it or um, something like that. But um i don't know if a def- no a defenseman can't get it because it's the two-way forwards but uh, where arts thou mitch marner yeah. um yeah, speaking of wingers on toronto william nylander with 37 takeaways and only 22 giveaways yep. um we might be talking about him next week because yep. from what elliot freeman hears that contract might be incoming we'll see yeah yeah no. we'll talk about that sure um all right in any case um all right, now we go to the rapid fire. Um, so mm-hmm. um, the NHL. Oh wait, hold on. Let me actually start yeah. the timer. <laughs> okay, the uh, NHL All Star rosters are announced. Um, I guess, I think this was going to be our episode, but we kind of realized like it's kind of hard to talk about this stuff because it's like, who really knows? I guess the thing that really stood out to me is, um, that like there there's a sub. A couple that kind of stood out to me actually um but uh one was like boone jenner is the columbus blue jackets guy um yet boone jenner is injured and has been for the last like two months and yeah he's he's like he, he deserves an all-star nomination but it, it's more sad that the fact that like this is your uh your nomination 
and he hasn't yeah, played in like Johnny two months. Gaudreau and Patrick yeah. Line, no right. Boone Jenner. Or like even like uh, like Chinikov and uh, uh, Marchenko, and uh, they have another Russian now um, as well. So it's like those guys are doing really well. Um, but it's like, oh, okay. Fantilli we'll as well, to also doing yeah, well. Fantilli as well. So it's like, oh, you give it to, like, Boone Jenner, who is there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that says more about the Blue Jackets than it does about Boone Jenner. Um, because he does deserve it. He is an underrated guy, but uh, he also doesn't play that often. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't want to necessarily go read through the whole list here. But, um, but yeah, it should be a fun event. It's going to be in Toronto. I think they're going to do, like, a draft-type thing. where Yeah. Except, like, instead of, like, a Phil Kessel situation where they're going to have, like, celebrity guest draft at the end there. So, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't want to go through the whole list because we, especially now that we have 15 minutes to talk about all this stuff. I'm, I'm going to go through a couple names that like similar to Boone Jenner stuck out to me. It's just mm. like in a normal year would this guy be an all-star. Mm. Um, some people were saying Nick Suzuki shouldn't be on this list. I disagree. I think he's oh, no. good enough to warrant this nomination. Uh, the most depressing nomination is Tom Wilson because it's like, Oh great. He's yep. now in an all-star game. He's going to ruin everything. Yep. And also just the fact that it's not Ovechkin. Ovechkin makes everything more fun. Mm. Uh, and like Ducks, Frank Petrano. Um, yeah, uh, boy, their team is bad this year, aren't they? Um, Connor Bedard, no brainer. Petrano actually hasn't been that bad, but yeah, I suppose. But compared to Trevor Zegris and Mason McTavish, yeah, but both both Zegris was injured for a significant amount of time, and same with McTavish. Yeah, no, I I, I get that, and even when Zegris was healthy. He hasn't really lived up. You do have a point about McTavish, but McTavish has missed a lot of time. Um, yeah. so. And Carlson has also missed time. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Forgettable season for the Ducks there. Uh, but Dar, no complaints. Like. Yeah. By the way, Vitrano, yeah. he has 28 points in 38 games. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Th- this year I'll give him a pass. But in, in most years, uh, He's good, yep. but not all-star good. Uh, yeah. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, also interesting for yep. the Seattle Kraken. Sure. Uh, that was an interesting pick. Um, Thomas Hurdle on a bad Sharks team. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Like he, like I said, mm-hmm. he's had a pretty good season. The one that really surprised me is Cam Talbot on the Kings. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Pierre-Luc Dubois, you have Adrian Kempe, you have yep. Kevin Fiala. Nah. Give me a mid-30s Cam Talbot having the year of his life outside of that 2017 season. With well, the shouldn't that, like, then shouldn't that not incredible. be surprising? Like, because of the fact that he's having a career year right now? He's having a career year in his mid-30s, but also, like, you picked him over Fiala and Kempe, who have, who I think in, in, in most NHL years, I think, would probably be the yeah. more sexier pick. Uh, not to say I hate the pick. I love that Cam Talbot's going to the All Star yeah. game. It's just, it just really caught me off guard yeah. uh, when I saw uh, I that guess, name over a couple of others. I guess you have a point, but maybe it has something to do with just the fact that they needed a goaltender, um, and Cam Talbot. Yeah, the Western Conference have three goalies. I only see yeah. one on uh, the East, and it was Igor Shosturkin. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't actually. I don't know how they're. Oh, because right, they're doing the the four. They're doing celebrities. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And also, so one is Jake Odinger, and Odinger is injured right now. I don't think he's gonna be back in time. So I don't know. Yeah. So they're they're probably gonna be injury replacements, yep. and you know, there's a chance that Bedard, unfortunately, is gonna be one. Right. Of them, right. Right. So. so, yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do because I would imagine, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, I, I guess they've already thought about it. All the star players they have yeah. on Chicago are either injured or kicked off the team. Right, so. right, right. Or it's like, I don't even know who else you would pick on Chicago. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, was that it for your your thoughts? Yeah, those those are the only names okay. that caught my eye. And in terms of everyone else, uh, I, I think their spot's justified. I, I would have picked those guys, too. Right, right, right. Uh, we, uh, the rest of this rapid fire stuff is stuff that we've alluded to, um, in this episode, but, uh, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about now, uh, Connor McDavid, uh, he reached his 900 career point, uh, this week. Um, what's incredible is he's 26 years old. We kind of forget that fact. Um, <laughs> and the fact that like he has more career points than Brad Marchand, Corey Perry, Jonathan Taze, Peter Forsberg, um, Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, just incredible, or Eric Lindros, like a lot of these, I guess, are explanatory, self-explanatory, but like, it's just incredible the fact that he has like 900 points and he's not even 30 years old yet. Um, so, um, and I think he's like played only like 600 games or so. Uh, so it's just incredible. Yeah, 603. Yeah. So it's, at the time of this it's just story, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, I was just looking at this list just to see it's like, oh, okay. Like I was surprised that McKinnon had like 700 or so points and i was just like oh and then i look looked at mckinnon and it's like oh yeah he's only played 700 career games so it's like oh okay so that makes it even more impressive that mcdavid has already has more career points than mckinnon and matthews even um even though like he's like you know only like he's played a little bit more games um than than those guys or some in mckinnon's case it was less but um yeah, so it's it's like yeah, it's a wonder to watch him every week or every time you see him on the ice, and yeah, he's he's already incredible. Um, and all you, that stuff. you know, you know, you're witnessing greatness when Connor McDavid's second worst season mm-hmm. is 97 points, and that happened in the 2019-20 season when COVID cut everything short. So in reality, he probably gets 100 points there. Yep, and. He already has 54 points in 34 games played this year, mm-hmm. um, just on another level. Uh, by the way, uh, Connor McDavid will be celebrating his birthday in less than a week, so uh, soon to be 27-year-old Connor McDavid. Right, fair. Also, I guess Brad Marchand is three points away from getting the 900 career point, and he's played in 985 games, so um, so there's, there's that. Um, all right, uh, let me look here at our notes. Um, Connor Bedard, we kind of alluded to, he hurt his jaw. Um, he's out a few weeks. We don't know the exact timetable, but we assume that he's, yeah. he's week to week. Um, of course, this significantly affects his Calder race, but yeah, I don't know what Chicago's gonna do because they uh, um, basically have no one now. Um, but- uh, Well, they, uh, funny you should ask, they uh, acquired Rem Pitlick uh, oh. for a conditional seventh Never round mind pick then. from Pittsburgh. 
They so yeah. that's their solution is just yeah. make a minor trade uh, to fill in that void for a little bit. They and did beat uh, probably Calgary. Probably trade Red Pitt like at the deadline for a conditional seventh or something. Yeah, they did beat Calgary just now, so um, so maybe they <laughs> they um, they're gonna figure stuff out. But um, but yeah, yeah just when you think Calgary's finally gotten it together and they lose know, to Chicago, I know. I know it's crazy. Um, yeah, do you have anything else on, on this? Because we kind of already talked about all this it's, stuff. In the it back. sucks. Yeah. Uh, you know, potentially missing the All-Star game. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, hopefully the Hawks aren't uh, bypassing uh, the Sens uh, mm-hmm. anytime soon. So Connor Bedard can kind of give the fans a show. Because Ottawa yep. Senators fans have never seen Connor Bedard play live hockey because he was in the Western Hockey League. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, for for so long whereas mcdavid at least he was in the ohl and we could see him play whenever the 67s were in town the seventh uh, the sends uh face the hawks february 17th uh that's in chicago though and the hawks uh don't really get to ottawa until later in the season march 28th okay he'll be back by then we're good we're good yep uh we also have some a couple of goaltending performances we've also mentioned this um (laughs) in the um, in the main topic as well, but um, Winter Classic uh, was last week, um, but we promised to talk about it. Um, Joey Decord gets a shutout. That was the main takeaway from it. Um, he's a Boston-born guy. He's also uh, was in the Ottawa Senators organization, so uh, he has some ties to both of us in, in that way. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. he gets a shutout. That was the first shutout in Winter Classic history, um, which I didn't realize, <laughs> but that's that's pretty cool and something they can't take away. Um, and yeah, I kind of alluded to that when I was talking about the Vezina stuff in the past, but um, but yeah, I wonder if he's going to be the starter once uh, once Grubauer is healthy. The best thing to come out of Arizona State since <clears throat> the Arizona Coyotes yeah. moved in there. That's true. He also went to Arizona State, so it's like like a pretty cool like story of his too it's like he's just been around the nhl and and all that stuff and he like there was like he he just didn't have a lot of opportunities for whatever reason and um yeah it's just a unique path to the i'll NHL. say it again the second that <coughs> in the expansion draft i was pissed because i knew he was going to be yep. good and i was losing one heck of a goalie yeah yeah and i'm happy he's flourishing over there i'm definitely buying a jersey of his yeah, he's a fun guy to root for, so um, I hope yeah. I hope he continues this. Seems seems like a very humble character. I've listened yeah. to some of his interviews too. Yeah, I instantly love anyone who's um, who uh, grew grew up. <laughs> anyone who's from Boston is my guy. Yeah, exactly. So as soon Jack as I Eichel, my boy, Stanley as soon as, as soon as I found that out, I was just like, all right, this is my guy. I didn't even realize <laughs> like, when you like, I knew that you loved him back um, back at that time that time period, but I was like. Oh, he's from Boston. All right, I love this guy now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so there's that. Speaking of things we like, uh, quote unquote, no name goalies almost vexing the yeah. Maple Leafs. Exactly. Uh, Lucas Dostal gets a 55 save for, uh, saves um, against Toronto. They do end up losing the game, but in overtime. Um, also, I guess Austin Matthews. That was his 30th goal of the season, mm-hmm. so he already has 30 goals, which is incredible in its own way but uh yeah 55 saves it was i was watching that entire game because i toronto only tied with like a few minutes left that too too. the ducks almost won that it was crazy um yeah dasal kept them in it um the entire time obviously but 
Yeah, there was that. Um, I, I, I don't even want to mention the Toronto Sun because they are a tabloid and that's like their, their, like that's their purpose is they, they want to get a reaction they, like it, this. It's clickbait, you know? But, but I will say that I guess it kind of worked because it's like, uh, yeah, for those who, uh, who don't know, um, they, they called Lucas Dostal a no-name, um, basically, or that the Leafs uh, beat it. It was just insane to me. It's like, come on, man. Like, it, it, they're basically assuming that Toronto Maple Leafs are idiots, um, which is like, I don't know. I, I, I have respect for Maple Leafs fans because they um, are very dedicated, um, especially because, like, their team has a, such a miserable history. And now it's like, oh, okay. Um, so like, they're they're treating them like they have no idea who Lucas Dostal is, and the fact that they the Leafs won the game, so you can just give them some credit. Um, I don't know. It's I'm crazy. just I'm just looking through um, Lucas Dostal's profile, and trying to confirm whether or not he was the Zamboni driver at some point in his career. Because <laughs> sure the Leafs have lost to that too. Yeah, yeah, fair. But like a Zamboni driver but, who worked for their team. Fun yeah, fact. yeah. But Dostal did it like. He lost to the game. <laughs> like it's it's one thing if the but he if, almost won it. Yeah, it's like right. It's, it's, That's enough misery for Leaf fans. Yeah, like exactly. oh, second half of a back to back, we schooled the Ducks. Yep. Wait, what do you mean we almost lost? Yep. And the goal we gave up was shorthanded. Yep. Like who else does that? Yep. Um, speaking of misery, um, in Canada, uh, the USA, um, the future is very very bright and. Eventually, USA is going to uh, beat Canada in the Olympics. That's my vision. Um, and even more so because the USA won the World Juniors this year, um, uh, thanks to Cutter Gauthier, who had 12 points in seven games, um, a Flyers prospect. Um, also, I guess uh, he tied the World Juniors uh, points with uh, Yuri Kulik um, with 12 points as well. Um, so those were the two big standouts. Um, I also think we should uh, mention Jonathan Lekera Mackey. Uh, forgive me for mispronouncing that name. I'm sure I did. Um, for Team Sweden, um, he had uh, seven goals um, this, uh, this time around. So, yeah, he's very good. But, yeah. USA, USA, USA. That was all I was, was screaming. Um, I actually didn't watch. A, I didn't actually watch a lot of the uh, World Juniors this year, but uh, for whatever reason. But um, but yeah, it was obviously very. I kept on getting updated from league mates and you um, through emails and stuff. That I was like, okay, this is like USA was winning. They were the front runners, and especially when Canada lost um, in the semifinals, I was like, all right. It's USA's to win, and of course we we pull through. So what I know the timer went off, yep. but I just wanted to give some love to uh, to two teams. One in particular, the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, Cutter Goche was tied with uh, Sabers prospect Yuri Kulich. Oh, that's what I mentioned. Uh, with twelve points uh, in the tournament, as you mentioned, but the Sabers also had Noah Oslin of oh. Team Sweden, who had ten points in seven games. He was eighth in tournament scoring. And uh, they also had another guy in the near the top 20, uh, Maxim Sturback of Slovakia. Oh, yeah. He had seven points in five games. So uh, roughly the top 25, they had uh, three guys on that list. Meantime, the St. Louis Blues low-key 
had uh, four names in the top 25, one of which was Otto Stenberg of Team Sweden mm. and uh, Jimmy Snugger of Team USA. He had himself a tournament as well. Yep, yep, that's fair. Um, I'm also noticing here that uh, there's only one Canadian is in the in the top 25, and that's Macklin Celebrini. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, take yeah, that for what it's worth. Draft just saying, pretty yep. pretty good. Uh, rapid fire is um, is over, but um, I, we did have one item that I just didn't want to ignore though. Uh, just that the PWHL started. Um, uh, I think it started like last week as well, but um, yeah, New Year's Day yep. was the first game between uh, New yep. York and Toronto, and surprise, surprise, Toronto got yep. shut out in that game. Yeah, I watched uh, Boston, Minnesota play um, mm -hmm. a couple days after that, um, and yeah, Minnesota beat Boston uh, pretty handily. But yeah, it's it's fun to have um, have uh, women's hockey there. I just hope it sticks because it feels like the like women's hockey there's always like a new women's hockey league every every other year or something like that i just hope it sticks um and all that stuff but it is cool that like i was watching the game on nesson um and um i guess you get uh canadians can watch it on tsn um i yep. think they're on like youtube tv if you're not in new england or canada um so so yeah the, there's other ways to watch it which is which is great but um but yeah, I just I just hope it's like can be sustainable. I don't love the fact that it's just like the Boston team, the Minnesota team. Yeah, none of the teams yeah. have names. Yeah, and, I, and uh, Ottawa's GM says it sounds like they're not um, they're not really eager to name a team even this season too. So yeah, they might just keep go, it that they way. They just might call themselves Ottawa for an entire year. <laughs> well, that that's not. I would just assume that like maybe eventually they're gonna like have team names for all these oh, guys. Oh, they will. But, like, just, I just think... Just for this year. It, it I, I, I think they, they figured it was just more important to have something out there. Also, the yeah, fact exactly. that, the fact that like, the Boston team, they actually play in uh, UMass Lowell, um, mm -hmm. which is, like, roughly, like, an hour and a half from Boston, so it's not actually Boston, Boston. Um, but, yeah. It's and, like Canada and Ottawa, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Half right. an hour away from downtown Ottawa. But is it so actually an hour and a half from Ottawa? No, not an hour and a half. It's okay. half hour. Oh, okay. But Lowell's like an hour and a half from, it's, from it's still a trek to get to the CTC if you Got live it. in downtown Ottawa, Orleans area. Right. The, the traffic can be a pain in the ass sometimes. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, I wanted to mention the next World Juniors are in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. uh, so Canada, we'll, we'll get you guys next year. Um, uh, but and I'm sure that'll be a fun tournament to watch. Also, Kazakhstan is back in the tournament. Loved it when uh, they were here back in 09. Uh, in terms of the PWHL, Ottawa's first game uh, was against Montreal. Absolutely electric. They lost an OT, but the crowd was into it right from the start. Uh, they played where the Sens first started out uh, when they entered the NHL, uh, the Civic Center, now called TD Place, where the Ottawa 67s play. Uh, and that building sits roughly nine or 10,000. It sat over 8,000 fans and they were loud for pretty much the entire game. Uh, that attendance record lasted four days until Minnesota broke it. Uh, the Minnesota uh, team plays at the XL Energy Center where the Minnesota Wild play. Hmm. And because Minnesota is the state of hockey, they packed it with like 13,000 plus. 
Uh, so that's not really much of a surprise. So the fan engagement has uh, been there right from the get-go. I think radio and TV deals, uh, nothing in terms of radio for Ottawa yet. Uh, hopefully that gets sorted soon. But just um, just uh, an avenue to promote the game, I think, uh, getting on YouTube, uh, on social media platforms like that, where live streaming uh, can be a useful tool. Mm. I definitely think that could be a great way to grow the game outside yep. of you know Canada and the U.S. because that's ultimately mm. what the NHL has been able to do with their brands. And I think in order for this brand to stick, they really need to promote, promote, promote the fact that there are so many great players in this league, and y- you need to watch this these players play. It's great content. Yeah, I also like I I kind of love that like. You know, obviously Canadians are going to watch this no matter what, but I do like the fact that they they picked Minnesota, New York, and Boston because of all the cities and places that would pick up on this type of league, it would be those three of the U.S. cities. It would be Boston, New York, and Minnesota. So I kind of like the fact that they picked those three U.S. um, cities in particular. just from that standpoint. And I guess they're kind of trying to become like the original six, um, like just take that model um, and move it over here where eventually they're just going to add more teams. Um, but um, but yeah, for now it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess we have uh, these different cities and all that stuff. So yeah, we'll see. Also just wanted to quickly mention before we sign off, um, Jamie Lee Rattree, uh, who plays for the Boston team, actually from Canada. Mm. So, um, yeah, the yeah. If you if you want a little Canada content uh, in Boston, there you go. Fun. All right. Great. Great to know. Maybe I'll see her on the on the tee. Yeah, you never know. Uh, you just yeah. just might uh, see her during like a Boston practice or something. Yeah, know. yeah, sure. Um, in any case, uh, you can follow us on Lace em Up uh, on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace em Up. Um, you can also subscribe to us and um, on any podcast, you know, on Spotify, wherever else you get podcasts um, as well, if you haven't already. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll chat again in episode 395 of the Lace Em Up podcast.